This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That means 20 years of Texas art coverage, 20 years of publishing writing from across the state, and 20 years of showing the world all Texas has to offer. Since our publication is a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to help support our coverage, you can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining donor by visiting glasstar.com forward slash donate. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. My name is Brandon Zeck. I'm Christina Reese. And today we're talking about, well, it's it's kind of a big topic and it's kind of hard to address also. The general idea is on honesty, sincerity, authenticity in art. And one of the main venues that that has been coming through recently, it's about, it's about the trend of authenticity, sincerity, and honesty appearing in art and appearing in what people share of themselves, uh, be it, you know, theater, writing, uh, art itself, comedy. But the biggest angle of this that we've found, uh, Christina, has been through comedy. Um, this whole conversation was kind of sparked by Inside, which is a new comedy special on Netflix by Bo Burnham. Um, he's 30 years old. He was a former or current or whatever tense you want to use YouTube kind of funny parody song personality that just kind of started getting film deals and comedy special deals and all of that. But it's this inside special uh, that sparked this the idea of this conversation he made during lockdown. And it is um, part comedy special, part music video, part experimental theater and experimental film and part confession of him grappling with his with a mental disorder with his depression suicidal depression and it's really it's not like a regular comedy special because what it is is it's framed by a year of being in lockdown he's struggling to make this funny show for an audience during quarantine and he's losing his mind uh and you're watching this happen and he's showing it's very meta because he's showing the process of actually making it. So you're seeing a lot of his gear and you're seeing him play with props and uh, you're seeing him sleep, you're seeing him eat, you're seeing him struggle uh, to make sense of the world and make sense of his own mind. And it's gotten a lot of attention. Um, I, you know, I'm sure many of you have uh, read about it or heard about it or probably even watched it. Um, so that's where we st- we were talking about this, but of course we've been seeing a certain we've been seeing a lot of comedians um, get pretty confessional about their mental health problems. Uh, Maria Bamford and Gary Goldman, um, Neil Brennan, um, and you can uh, you know Hannah Gadsby for that matter. So you've got. You've got a number of things to kind of choose from, but it does seem like this is all happening while conversations about mental health uh, 
are sort of brewing everywhere. You know, um, a lot of celebrities, a lot of well-known people are talking about their own mental health issues. So the thing is, is that one of the things that people are really talking about with this particular, uh, special inside is that it's, it's just so very of this moment, you know, it's, it's, it really wraps up a whole lot of, you know, it's these, it's losing the thread of reality and it's about isolation and apologies and impatience and dread and weird moments of creativity, having no idea if what you're doing counts at all. I mean, we've all kind of struggled with, I mean, you know, the pandemic has affected pretty much everyone in one way or another. It's been extremely disruptive, I'd say to pretty much everyone. Um, but he grapples with it in front of us and, uh, and we watch it happen. It's a very, t- and I would say that it's actually a pretty tight and tidy special. What would you say? Yeah, I would say the same. I feel like one of the reasons that I was so taken with it particularly, and I, I don't know if this would kind of be a more general reason that it's become more popular, but is that it is actually a, a good piece of comedy or a good piece of art to come out of COVID and to come out of the pandemic. And I say that, you know, artists have been making things throughout this time, but they've kind of been, a lot of them have been doing their normal work or they've been, you know, focusing on what they do. I didn't want to hear comedy about the pandemic. I don't necessarily feel like looking at art about the pandemic. This thing that we've gone through over the past year and a half is so hard to depict or shape because everyone has had their own experience of it. And while, I mean, while there are, of course, a range of experiences that people have had, whether you've been able to just work from home or whether you've had to, you're an essential worker and you've had to go into work or you've been dealing in a healthcare environment, we've all been experiencing this. So no one wants to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I mean, I'm even kind of leery about talking about it on this podcast because I don't want you, the listener, to just turn it off because we're all tired of it. (laughs) But I, I saw this special, I saw Bo Burnham's Inside, and it was something that actually took it and spun it a little bit. And maybe it's this goes back to the idea that, Christina, you and I always bring up that we're just inherently interested in who people are. And this is like, essentially, although it is framed and it, you know, he obviously put a lot of thought into every component of this, so it's it may or may not be as candid as it seems, um, it really does feel like a look inside someone, no pun intended with the name, um, which is one of the reasons I think it's successful. It's not necessarily about the pandemic. It's about him. Yeah, it's about being inside him, inside his brain. So the one room that he shoots this in uh, over the course of the year is not a very large room. It's not larger than a bedroom. Um, and that's the only space that you see. So you're stuck inside with him and you're sort of stuck inside of him. Um, and I would say, you know, it'll be hard to know how this special will age. I don't know how it will land in 10 or 20 years. And I'm not sure that that's important at all. And for somebody his age, who, who really is a digital native and grew up with the internet, I think that's even probably even less of a concern for him because he already knows what it's like to have a lot of material out there that dates easily. Um, He even, you know, he tends to even apologize quite a bit for some of his earliest material. I think that's one of the things, Christina, about this special that's so interesting is that, I mean, there are millennial comics that have been working for a while and who have specials that are out, but 
I don't know, I feel like he addresses it in a really interesting way and what it's like to be a person, you know, who started posting videos on the internet when he was 16. Um, And it's something, he has a a way of looking at kind of this generation in a way that, I don't know, going back to, I mean, the theme of this podcast that is authentic and honest. Like, uh, in an interview that he did on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, she played a song that he posted when he was 16 and he, like, took his headphones off and was like, I don't want to listen to that. Like, I'm not, like, I, I am past that and I know that it's shitty and that it, it might be homophobic and it probably is homophobic or may it wasn't meant to be, but possibly it is. And he's trying to grapple with all of these things of, I mean, who he was in a very public way when he was a stupid, stupid kid. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's happening alongside this, this new authenticity or people really talking about their personal issues is that there's been a kind of, there's been a, an erasure of structure or of uh, expected or formal structures in the way art has been presented for a very long time. And we can just call it postmodernism. But when we see these comics break out of, you know, kind of standard, just standing on a stage with a microphone and talking for an hour, and you got to understand if you haven't seen the special, I mean, it has a kind of, it's quite surreal. It has a kind of Spike Jones feel to it or Michelle Gondry. It feels like, um, it feels, it's very meta. It's like reading David Foster Wallace when David Foster Wallace is constantly breaking away to explain to you how he's feeling as he's writing the what he's writing. Uh, it's like that on, on screen. But, you know, I remember, and I, I, I think about this and I think about how those of us who are really steeped in art uh, and have watched a whole lot of video art over the course of our lives, I don't. I don't think that there was anything particularly um, groundbreaking in what he was doing, except that he was doing it as a comedy special. You know, I could say that this. You know, there were probably a lot of people in the general population who like comedy who are going to watch this because they know it's the big new comedy special that everyone's talking about, and they may actually feel uh, a little. I, I don't think they actually will, but I mean, if they're a little bit thrown by it. Um, I would say, but if they liked it, uh, and they're thrown by it and they want to see more of that kind of thing, then it would be kind of almost like a Trojan horse for getting people to look at more video art because it has a real Nauman-esque feel to me, um, in some ways, but I got a Bill Viola vibe also. Yeah. Yeah. The, we could name a lot of artists who, who've, who've kind of played with, with these things and blown apart the kind of the audience performer wall. And, um, but the idea that songs aren't structured the same, you know, somebody in the New York Times a couple of months ago wrote this big piece about how song, how pop songs aren't structured the same way anymore, or how it's becoming more and more common for songs not to be following the verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, out sort of structure. Um, and a lot of the commenters, of course, were coming in, and probably a lot of the older commenters were coming in and saying, no, no, we haven't had to have, you know, adhere to structures for a long time, but... I think in terms of like what's really making it onto Top 40 Pop Radio on a regular basis, it is still kind of new. Just like what Bo Burnham has done for comedy is kind of new. Just like when Louis C.K. had his um, his television show on, on FX, which by the way was a really, really good show. And he blew apart a lot of structures. He did he, he broke a lot of rules. And, and it, it, it does seem like a lot of this stuff is coming from comedy. Well, I think, Christina, the the honesty element of it, the, the kind of core of this conversation, it's also, it's something that has 
come around again. And by that, I mean, you know, zooming back and taking a look at what the world has been like, like in the early 2000s with the internet developing and everything and and social media becoming a thing and the performativity of life. um, We've been through, I think, a decade or a decade and a half of dishonesty and performance and performance for the camera. And it seems like there's just a swing away from that. Maybe it's bolstered by the pandemic. Maybe it was already happening. I think based on some of the comedy specials that we're referencing, um, you know, some of them are as early as 2017. It was already happening before the pandemic. But there's there's a real appetite for honesty and, I mean, just an open discussion of what's going on in your life. And I think that's a real kind of push back against social media as much as it is people using social media to do it. Um, it's interesting that you brought up like the structure of pop songs because there's a little bit of that in some of these younger artists who are really blowing up. Like uh, just the the way that the songs sound are so different. I'm thinking of people like Billie Eilish. Like her songs, they're very raw and they're a lot of them are almost like whispered. Like the dynamics in them are very big. They're either very small or very loud. Um even, I mean, what's what's really popular right now is Olivia Rodrigo, who wrote a song called Driver's License. She was on SNL recently. She's, I think she's 18, and she's, her whole album is about experiences that you would think it would be someone who's 35 would be writing looking back on, because it just, it feels like this person has had this entire life experience, um, and I don't know, if I haven't looked up, I don't know if she works with writers, I don't know if this is all her own experience, and she is a wonderful writer, which she very well may be. Um, but in any case, it's, you know, she's not a young pop star that's singing about, like, having fun. She's a young pop star who is being raw and honest in her material, and it's the most popular thing right now. So it's working, it's accessing an audience. Yeah. I, I do think social media has a lot to do with this. I think that it, at some point people realize, well, I mean, people just have to realize these people who live their lives online because they're celebrities or they're becoming celebrities that at some point, you know, you could be extremely scared about putting anything out there because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get in trouble for it. But then in the end, if you just drill down to the very bottom and tell the truth, it kind of, it's just like the saying, the truth will set you free. Um, what we're seeing in that respect from, from all generations of comics, including Dave Chappelle, um, is uh, comedy that's not always funny and comedy specials that aren't always about punchlines. And they feel more like spoken word um, performances, you know, almost more kind of Spalding Gray stuff. Um, and it's working and people are watching and listening. I've, although I, I know that when Hannah Gadsby did, I think it was Nanette, her first one, I do, I do know that there were some comedians who were saying, well, that wasn't a comedy special. I don't know what that was. And it's like, well, that's okay. It's working. It's working and people want to see it. Um, well, and Christina, I can't tell if kind of the deviation away from uh, the standard, you know, tight hour comedy special has influenced the culture of honesty, or if the culture of honesty has influenced the deviation away from the tight special. Um, I'm thinking, I watched last night in preparation for our conversation, Gary Goleman, The Great Depression, which is a comedy special on HBO. Um, and in the special, I mean, he 
his depression is the main thrust of the story and it has uh, it's interspersed with like a visit to his childhood home where there's like a short interview with his mother about how she doesn't think he was depressed as a kid and he is you know it's contrasted with him being like look at this art when i made when i was a kid oh my god this is a clear sign of childhood depression um so you know kind of cinematic or like documentary elements interspersed with normal joke comedy is something that's really propelled this genre or this this uh, way of doing comedy and way of making art forwards it, you know with this with this particular one that we're really s- singling out inside Bo Burnham it was telling well, one thing that was telling for me is I watched it I've seen it twice and then I went and watched his 2016 special which is also a Netflix and Netflix is really pushing it because inside is doing so well so the 2016 special, um, what struck me about that and the kind of through line that I see to the to the newer special is that he doesn't, he actually did develop his ideas much more thoroughly for Inside and he had a lot more time to do it. Um, uh, and he couldn't work all those things out on the road. I mean, most comedians work their material out on the road and get it polished before they film a special and he had to do it without that which a little tangent here this whole idea about languishing about people languishing it's because you're not getting any feedback from anybody that's happening to just even everyday people you start to feel a little bit crazy in isolation if you're not getting feedback for what you're putting out in the world but he had to risk it and he did it and but the special in 2016 he really jumps around a lot i mean you feel like you're dealing with somebody who's sort of very adhd and i speak about that from experience and i was thinking about some other young comedians who had come out with comedy specials around the same uh probably a year year and a half ago jenny slate did it uh alana glazer and they just never really fully developed their ideas. They were just going from one thing to another, to another, to another. Not, and it wasn't gelling. You know, those were, I like both of those women writers. I think they're very funny and I love them when they're in the vehicles that work for them. But I don't think that their standup was was ready. Um, I completely agree. We didn't have this conversation before we started talking, Christina, but I completely agree with you. Broad City is a fantastic show. Wonderful show. Ilana Glaser's stand-up. I, I honestly couldn't get through it. I stopped maybe a third of the way in. Yeah, I, I, got, I got about halfway through it, and I was just like, this is so half-baked. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and, I was, and I was thinking about that when I was watching him in 2016, I was like, well, one thing that he's done, he's still hopping around from idea to idea to idea without fully developing it. What he's getting down really well is his transitions. And so the transitions, his, you know, the transitional moments were almost the punchlines. And those were the things that stitched the whole thing together and made it a show. But I was thinking that if I had been in the audience that night in 2016, I would have left and thought I didn't really get much out of that. And I think that, I think that's partly because a lot of our more, veteran comedians are starting to drill down so hard and starting to develop their ideas so thoroughly uh before they do a special like mark maron um the special that he did that was released very shortly before the pandemic which still i think is very timely for the pandemic is uh you know as a comedian at his full strength uh in his prime really with incredibly well-developed ideas um, and it's a and there's a there's a grace to that and there's a wisdom to that and I think what's happened for this Bo Burnham guy is that his short attention span his ADHD 
worked beautifully for this particular new special. Um, and, and I think he'll continue to grow. I mean, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a kind of 2.0 version of him. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, I went back and rewatched the 2016 special too. And I, I saw the exact same thing. What'd you think? Um, I mean, I think it made sense for 2016 or probably maybe even 2015 when it was shot. Um, there are elements that could stand up or be really good YouTube videos. I think that's actually how I first found out about him was a clip from the 2016 special that was on YouTube that someone posted. So, I mean, it worked in that regard. And I remember watching it in 2016 and thinking it was okay. Uh, but I mean, rewatching it after inside, there was really no comparison. Um, but in terms of stringing together ideas and that kind of being, comedy that really works now i mean i even think of people like ali wong or mike berbiglia who have these shows and their shows are one big story um which is completely different than what bo burnham's specials have been even inside even though the through line is the pandemic and the concept of inside um being on stage and telling one long story it's it's difficult in a different way than what Bo does oh yeah a monologue I mean that lasts an hour or longer um I, you know I think Mike Birbiglia has talked about this I mean you, it's he's these aren't regular stand-up shows at all and I I think even developing a, a show like that would be a whole different animal um I can feel my own anxiety mount when I f- feel like there's no landing spot for a segment you know Again, that works for the show. That works for Inside. I don't think that it worked particularly well for him in 2016. I have to wonder if he's ever going to go back to doing regular stand-up, frankly. Well, exactly. Um, I don't know if it worked if you have an audience. Yeah, you're right. right. Right? Just in general. Not even just regular, just the concept of having an audience that's there and that feels like you do. That's like, where is this going? Like, it's not conducive. Basically, what he did is he with a few exceptions throughout the special, he made a very catchy album and then he made multiple music videos through it that sometimes were connected via transitions and comedy and sometimes not. What I do think was very authentic about his show, his new one is that he, he suffers from anxiety. He suffers from depression. That's all very real those kinds of things got a lot worse for a lot of people during the pandemic for obvious reasons. Um, I don't have a problem with the fact that I, I know that he didn't just stay in that room all year. You know, he's got to have some sort of framing device. Richard Brody of the New Yorker seemed to have a, a problem with that. Um, I will say um, that I feel like Bo Burnham is both a nicer guy and a not as nice guy as he comes across. I think there's something quite sort of polite and clean and sort of almost churchy about him that I get from his work that makes me a little uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's because of the year that I was born and the stuff that I'm used to seeing or something else. But I also think one of the things about the 2016 show, especially it was, it was very trolly. Um, he's got a, a troll sort of edge to his comedy. 
And that weird dichotomy of him being sort of a nicer guy and a not as nice guy as he presents himself to be still kind of fucks with my head a little bit. And I see it in the 2021 special. Um, It eats at me a little bit, which is not to say I didn't like or appreciate the special. I really do. But I want to see him continue to push and and I want to see what comes out of it. And I wish that he would let himself be the bad person that he is a little bit more fully, although we actually don't know how that would manifest. It could be bad. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be able to get over some aspects of his, I don't know if it was his upbringing. I don't know if it's just in his character to sort of be the good dude, the, the good guy. Uh, does any of that make sense to you? I think I kind of know what you mean. Like a few of the reviews, there have been so many reviews of this special. Um, and I think some of them address like the idea that this special almost bolsters his image a little bit. Like the fact that the fact that, you know, it, of course in this special, he acknowledges that there have been things that he's, uh, he, it, has done or he has said that he's unhappy with um there's a there's a whole song about it um he seems very very intelligent and in a way him being vulnerable or acting vulnerable or actually being vulnerable and also acting vulnerable in a way that's edited together that feels like you are seeing him exactly how he is when he is alone with himself evokes a great deal of empathy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not, I want to make it very clear. I am in no way saying that he isn't really feeling what he is putting out in this, uh, that he is uh, faking it for the camera in order to gain empathy or to bolster his, I, none of that is what I'm saying because all of these comedians that talk about their, uh, their depression, their anxiety, they they do that and they really put themselves out there in order to do that. So I don't want to make light of that in any way, shape, or form. But it does do something to bolster his image when his last special, he came off as a troll. He didn't really come off as a troll in this. He came off as very sincere and very thoughtful. Right. Um, and I think... You know, that could be the fact that he spent five years not doing comedy because he had panic attacks on stage, and it could be his growth from that, or it could be because when he's riddled with anxiety, he doesn't feel like being a troll. It it honestly kind of could go... I, I could see it going either way. Do you know what I mean? That's That's what I get from you saying that, and that's the reason that I think it's kind of hard... It's hard to put a pin on in it yeah he's great i think he's still grappling with what what full authenticity means and i think any performer in order to put something out there you have to package it and you have to make it palatable for an audience right or else they're just not going to watch it he put he put a pretty high shine on this he spit polished it pretty hard he had a lot of time to do it again but um what i saw was a growth spurt i have not seen yet what he's going to be like as what as a full grown man. I just, and I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to be insulting. What I'm really trying to say is I hope he keeps working and I'd love to see what he does when he's 40. I'd love to see what he does when he's 50. 
you know, we're watching these people grow up right in front of us. And for a guy like that, we're truly watching him grow up right in front of us. And he started putting himself out there when he was 15 or 16 years old. And he's had to do all this in front of an audience. And he's had audiences who don't, don't like him and don't want him. I mean, he's had, he's had, you know, shows canceled or had people protest shows or things like he's been through some stuff, um, and has had to grapple with some of these things. But I, I, you know, I applaud this effort and I think it's a, I do think it's a very, I think it's a very tight package. I think that he did a nice job. I, I, I'd like him to do something like it again after his next growth spurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Christina, to kind of close up the conversation, I wanted to circle back around to one point of comedy specials that aren't necessarily comedy specials. Um, and there's one that you and I both rewatched actually today um, that touches on that and that I think it's the most non-comedy comedy special. It's not really a comedy special that I've definitely ever seen, which is it's a uh, like a 30-ish minute um, performance talk chat, um, whatever you want to call it, lecture. Um, stream of consciousness by Dave Chappelle and it's called 846 um, and it came out in June of 2020 um, right around the time all of the marches and everything for George Floyd were happening um, and it's I mean talk about honesty in comedy or honesty by a creative this is it, it's 30 minutes of honesty of him talking about I mean, all of the racial problems that America has had and continues to have. He's so, he's so seasoned um, and he can transcend the form so easily at this point because he really is. I think he's, I think he's the best comedian out there. I think he, but he's, he's sort of transcended comedy and, and he is very used to getting out in front of an audience and telling them exactly what is on his mind. That is a very angry special. It's very powerful. It's very short. And you really see him working through his emotions as he's up there. And, um, and he can do that. That guy's a fucking genius. And he's so wise that people will just sit and listen to him. He doesn't have to crack jokes. Uh, he just be, he happens to be very, very, very funny, but I am almost starting to feel like Dave Chappelle is like one of our public intellectuals, you know, he's a philosopher. Um, and so we just listen to him, whatever he says, because what comes out of his mouth is right. And by the way, I'm going to do a little side thing here. Um, Letterman has a show where he goes and, you know, talks to people or he has people come on. I can't remember what it's called. It's his own talk show. These are much, much longer, deeper conversations than he was ever having on his, uh, his late night talk show. And he did one with Chappelle and he goes to Chappelle's house. Um, and they sit outside and it's shot during the pandemic. And that conversation is wonderful. And if you don't know much about Dave Chappelle, or if you haven't watched him very often, I really recommend that. And I also recommend the, um, the Kennedy Center award presentation to get a sense of just how far he's come and what he's been through and why he's so damn good. Anyway, that's end of my tangent. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the end of today's conversation. You know, we've been talking about how, con I mean, you know, in, amongst ourselves and probably a lot of you amongst yourselves, probably uh, who are really interested in art 
have probably noticed that some of the what seems to me some of the best art that's being made these days is being made by comedians <laughs> so we keep our eye on it because it's great entertainment we also keep our eye on it because it's like it's a weather vane it's a it's a barometer of what's going on and they're pushing these envelopes and they're doing a great job and and we're all better for it yeah and with that uh thank you all for listening and go watch some comedy go watch some comedy and if you can just go out to your local comedy club to do it uh go support these people in person and uh also while you're at it go see some art go see some art This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.